This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered. The White Sox came to town. That means we had to have the Hall of Famer, Tony Larusa, our very good friend, Liam Hendricks, and then also a recent chat with A's legend, Joe Rudy. But you think about Tony Larusa. He's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. He's in the A's Hall of Fame. He's in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. He's an absolute legend. And, of course, one of the great managers in the history of the Oakland A's. Tony stopped by the set of A's Cast Live when the White Sox were in town. The great Tony LaRusso, one of the great managers in the history of our game, but obviously one of the great managers in Oakland A's history and what he's meant to the Bay Area with ARF and everything he's done for people, so generous for so many years. And uh, I've always gotten him in the off season. I think this is the first time I've ever talked to Tony during the season, and it's a very special time. It has been a while. How are you? Well, we're uh, how many hours for a game? If we play the bottom of the ninth today, I'll be doing really well. Well, I, I'll tell you what. I like your chances with this bullpen. By the way, it's pretty spectacular. Well, we got to have the lead for that to happen. But no, our bullpen, uh, our front office. Start up putting together a heck of a team, and they've added to it. You know, we were just talking about it, and I'm going to play it later on in the broadcast today. This date in baseball history is the day Mark McGuire broke 61, number 62. Wow. And when Mark went into our Hall of Fame, I had him on the program, and I asked him, what does it mean to you that you really kind of saved baseball, you and Sammy Sosa? He said it's the number one highlight not only of his career but <clears> a big <throat> thing about his life. What was that like back in the day? Because it was incredible. It's uh, it was a real theater, except it was real. And uh, I've heard veterans, we had veterans on our club, uh, and they said, and they've had championship experiences, and they said the most exciting season they ever had was just being there and watching Mark and Sammy go after it. It was just electric every day. And then you kept seeing Mark, when he broke it, you know, Sammy stayed after it, so he had to hit, what, five in the last weekend to win the thing. It was the first time we saw the velvet ropes around for batting practice, keeping people away. They became like rock stars. I'll make a point to you that shows you just uh, how real Mark is, especially on the road, you know, where we were taking batting practice second. There'd be 15,000, 20,000 people that watched BP. And he would always take BP because he knew the people were there. And he, he explained later on, it's like playing doubleheader because he'd want to, you know, you know, a lot of times the guys, you know, they just skip batting practice. They can save for the game. Mark would do his best, and he'd put on a show, and then he'd come out and play the game. So he's got a really good heart. You've been in this game a long time. You've managed some of the greatest players, some of the greatest teams, multiple organizations. What's this season been like for you as a skipper? Well, somebody, somebody give you a gift. I mean, this team was here when I got here. 
They had uh, the front office put together a heck of a squad. I mean, we got pitching. You got position players. You got some veterans. And you got some young guys. Real good mix. So you have to credit player development, scouting, that helped make those decisions. And then they had played together, and, you know, they got better and better. And last year they qualified. You know, they played the A's in the playoffs. So I walked in a situation where they're very hungry, and they got some experience, and uh, they inspire me. You know, we had your back here because there were some people like, I don't know if Tony's going to be able to relate. And, you know, the egos in baseball. And I was like, wait a minute, Tony's managed some of the biggest egos. <laughs> Ricky Henderson, Jose Canseco, Dennis Eckersley. Like, you've managed some of the biggest egos in the history of the game. Yeah, I think there was, you know, there was a lot of uh, legitimate questions, criticisms. And I didn't fault any of them. The, the, probably the one that was inaccurate was that I'd been away from the game. And the fact is I had worked – for yeah. three different teams upstairs and for MLB. So I had stayed current. But uh, the one thing about players is that if you establish a culture of respect and trust, you know, that, that carries the day. And that's what uh, we had all the years, and that's what they, they feature here. So all I had to show is that, uh, you know, can contribute here and there. Well, obviously, this is your home. You know, this is where you raised your family. This is our f- which we have had you on before many times to promote the events. Just what does it mean for you to come back to and here, the Coliseum? Because this building's meant a lot to you. Well, it's, you know, guys are asking me here because they, they know the history. And, you know, the 10 years here <clears throat> had some of the great moments. It's also two of the haunting regrets, which was the 88 and 90 World Series. But, uh, you know, I saw and I, and, I, and I still know there's a core of really strong support for the Oakland A's. Fans really liked this club. Uh, they liked our club. Uh, the only thing that, it, it, in fact, I actually took a picture because I saw it in one of the rooms of the Coliseum before they put the monstrosity in center field. And the guys can see how beautiful this ballpark was then. And now it's, you know, it's an eyesore out there. I wish we could tear it down. Yeah, there's a lot of us who feel that way, no question about it. And I know you only have so much time, but Bob Melvin has so much respect for you. I know you feel the same. Uh, what he has done here in Oakland. Just talk about the job Bob's done. Well, I've said it many times because I believe it. Uh, there's nobody in baseball that does a better job than Bob for years. He takes different kind of clubs. Uh, the thing we talked about before. Nowadays, there's so many distractions that your number one responsibility as a manager and a staff is to earn their respect and trust. So they want to follow you. You know, They want to listen to you and trying to get to make them better. And Bob has proven over and over again that he gets through. And, you know, there's a lot of transition on this club from year to year. But he makes it work every year. And, uh, you know, one th- I know one thing tonight and tomorrow afternoon, and the game will not be decided because Bob makes a mistake. Yeah, and he's a, he's, he's, he's a wonderful person. Before we let you go, how is <clears throat> ARF doing, and do you have any big plans coming up here? Well, you couldn't have asked a more timely question because, uh, you know, our dual mission, the second mission is that the animals rescue people. Uh, Ten years ago, we started taking veterans with PTSD and matching them up with a dog that was just rescued. It's been an incredible success. Uh, We pay all the costs. It's called Pets and Vets. And uh, what we noticed was that when they do the matching and the training, they need their privacy. So today, this morning at 10 o'clock, we built the the country's first purely private uh, facility for the dogs and the veterans to get together, train, match, and create lives for each other. And uh, it happened this morning, and now as soon as the COVID thing relaxes, you know, you'll see uh, that program really flourish. 
Yeah, what, when, you, when you think back from starting it to where we are today and your family's involvement, just I, I, you, you Hall of Famer, one World Series, you've done all of that. But do you think this is the greatest thing that you've done in your career, Arf? Well, I was taught, uh, actually started right with the White Sox, Ryan Storff, and I come in with the great Haas family. And I go to De- DeWitt's over there in St. Louis. you got to give back. You know, Don't go into a community and take, take, take. Give something back. Pick your cause. And for our family, it's been uh, kids and education and animals. We started ARF, just just thought we could save a few dogs and cats, and the, the, the support's been incredible. It's become, seeing it's 30 years old now. Wow. Uh, and um, it's, it's something that, put it this way, uh, I've been on some great teams professionally, but that ARF team on, on, a, on a personal basis has been championship quality. Well, it's an open invitation. If you ever need us to promote anything, donations, whatever it is, please come on the program and we'll help you anyway. You've been so good to me in my career. And, of course, in this fan base, you are loved. Well, Everybody still loves Tony LaRusso. Thank you so much for the time and good luck with your club because you got a really exciting team. I just hope we win the night. Thank you. The Hall of Famer, Tony LaRusso, right here on A's Cast Live. You know, it's great to catch up with Tony LaRusso because normally when we get Tony, it's in the offseason. A lot of times we're talking about ARF, but just to have him on the field with us, it, it, it was a true honor. And then I think about our guy, Liam Hendricks. There is no other player in the history of A's Cast Live that has been on our program more than Liam Hendricks. And he's a friend of the program. And we're rooting for him and all the success for him this season with the White Sox. Here is Liam Hendricks. One of our all-time favorites. And it bugs me because the nation has taken him by storm. We found him first. We knew he was a great interview. When no one else knew, now I got to watch. He's on Fox. He's everywhere. The great Liam Hendricks is back with us here on A's Cast Live. I can't tell you how happy I am for you, your family. How have you been? I've been great. I've been great. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, you guys helped me start it off and then realized my uh, potential dream of possibly working in a broadcasting booth after I'm done playing. So, uh, yeah, it's just glad to be back and uh, (laughs) – It's always fun coming back down to the Coliseum. You know, what's interesting is I remember talking to you about how you were partnering with this Hall of Famer guy and Arf and Tony LaRussa. Like the the, the odds that you would end up playing for him at his age, what's that been like? Because you already have the relationship prior. Yeah, I mean, the relationship playing him with my age as well. I mean, you can throw that out there. But uh, it's been fantastic, obviously, uh, knowing the relationship that I have with him and the organization. Played a big part in it. Not only that, but also what he was able to do when he did manage as uh, kind of the the kind of originator of the closing role. I mean, it's with Eckersley back in the day, and it's uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's been an experience, and it's been uh, it's been a blast being able to kind of learn from his tutelage. You know, you know, we think about we always joked with you about you know, you know, you, you go from this role of being DFA to next, you know, you're starting the wild card game to the next year you're on the media guide. Just what has this been like for you now and now, the national expo- the exposure? And it was great seeing you fill the dreams game. I mean, the big interview you had on Fox. Just What has that been like for you? Uh, it's been fun and it's been exhausting, but it's uh, it's been a blast. And the best thing about it is I keep getting messages from people back in Australia talking about it. And that's something that, <laughs> as you guys know, I am very, very proud of where I'm from. Yeah, I'm very yeah. 
forward thinking with hopefully we can get some more Australian kids over here and, and getting them exposed to Major League Baseball, getting them exposed to baseball in general, and either moving them over to the college realm or moving them over to uh, the possibility of working in a pro ball and then building their relationship. I mean, Australia's ranked as number six in the world, and it's for a reason, but uh, there's definitely an opportunity to, to creep up those leaderboards as, with the more kids that come over. I still have an Australian caller because of you. So, like, it'll be like like today, Tuesday, but it's Wednesday there. He still calls in is still a fan because of you. Well, I, yeah, I mean, that's the, the little relationships. It's the little things like that that have an opportunity to grow into something really special in Australia, and it's uh, it's, a, it's a smaller community over there, but it's a very tight-knit community. And I guarantee you the guy who called, whether he knew baseball or not before, he's definitely searched it out in Australia, and he's probably going down to your local club ball teams just trying to be a fan and, and be involved with the next generation. You know, I think whenever XAs come here, and it's a special relationship you have with the organization, whether it's Bob Melvin, it's your former teammates. Uh, I, I remember when Josh Donaldson came back, he spent more time in the A's clubhouse than he did in the Blue Jays, and I think about when Marcus came back with the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, it was um, – this place means a lot to you guys. What is it like as a former player to come back here? Yeah, it's obviously it's huge coming back. Obviously, I I got my chance over here. It um, not, not I have. I mean, I got my first full season with the Blue Jays, but it was here where I was finally able to kind of relax and establish myself, and then go through what could possibly be one of the toughest times of my baseball career with being DFA'd in eighteen. But I think it was. I was talking to Bowman about it today. It was a necessary evil. It was one of those things where it's, it, it can go one of two ways. You can let it kind of wallow in you and you can all of a sudden be a sad sack and then kind of not do anything with it or hopefully the way I went with it, which is you learn from it, you learn how to deal with people on a better better level and then you are able to turn that into something special and that's what uh, I was able to do. Luckily enough, I got called back up and, and was able to rebuild the relationships that uh, that were burnt during that during that time period. But uh, it's it's only made my relationship with a lot of these guys a lot stronger. Not only that, but physically what you did where you said, if I'm going out, I'm going to go my way. And you remade yourself back to what you believed in in AAA, which led you back here. Talk about that story because I think as a professional athlete, at some point you can have all the data in the world. You can have all the video. At some point you got to do it your way. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where I, I got DFA'd and I, I cleared and I went to Nashville and it was one of those things where I, I spoke to Rick Rod, I spoke to Fran, and I just told them, like, look, I, I don't want to be a distraction, but I know that, that I've got a lot left in me. Um, doing some soul searching, was like, look, I want to go back to what got me to be successful, what got my arm to be in the best shape it was back in the day. And that involves a lot of long toss and a lot of kind of not doing too much conditioning not working out as much and doing all these things They're like and they both said the same thing look as long as you're not a distraction you've been around long enough that you have earned this right um and i that was my vow like i will not be a distraction to these guys here but i will make sure i do everything i need to do to be on the to be able to go every day and a lot of the credit comes down to those two guys emot was there as well and a lot of it also has to fall on uh, danny coolum i mean he was my throwing partner almost every day he was the one who taught me how to regrip my curveball. He was the one who kind of, we were both grinding around through it. He was my roommate in the, when I was down there, which I hadn't had a roommate in the last five years. So that was different. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got very lucky in the people that I surrounded myself with. And I would not be here without those guys. When I think about having a strong woman in your life, I remember having a conversation with your wife in Cleveland when we were there. God, I don't even know what that was. Was that 2019 probably? And where she said she can be hard on you. 
Can be. Yeah. But it, <laughs> it's been great for your career. Without a doubt. Uh, I suffer from the same thing my dad suffered with, which was complacency. Like, he, he brought me out about it when I had my first good year. Then I had a bit of a rough 16 when I came over to the age for the first time. And he's like, that was the crux of my, my football was complacency. And he goes, luckily, I had a strong woman behind me. And he goes, I know you've got the same. And that was Christy. And she's, uh, she's a godsend. She's a lifesaver. I would not be anywhere close to where I am right now, whether, whether it be because of the success I had and then I would have gone down the dark path. Or whether it be when I was in the lowest of lows and she was able to pick me up, but she's got that uh, innate ability to be able to bring bring the bring what I need to hear, whether I accept it at the right time or not is another thing. But I mean, just as of two weeks ago, she, I called her after a game against the Yankees and I gave up another homer because I can't get any of the Yankees out apparently. And uh, she was like, "Yeah, you're tipping." I'm like, "Okay, do you know what?" She goes, "No, but they don't take good, a good they don't take swings like that off you. You're tipping." Went to the field the next day. Fair enough. Looked at it. I was tipping. I was showing uh, showing the ball a little bit too much when I was throwing a fastball, and that's the thing. That's I didn't, amazing, by the way. I didn't accept it at the time, but you sit there and you kind of accept it. You let it sink in, and the woman's bloody right every time. I didn't and realize it, she's oh, like a pitching Lee. coach too. Oh, she's everything. Pitching, <laughs> mental mental skills. I mean, if I hit, she'd be a hitting coach. It yeah. was. Uh, it's one of those things where I've learned to just accept it because she's always right, and it pisses me off to no end but at the end of the day i mean i it, it, there's not too many people in this game that don't have a strong woman behind them like telling them certain things at the right time when did you as a former starter then forced to be a reliever really accept hey i'm the guy at the end of the game when did you really accept that and and embrace that and love that to make you what you are today well i've loved it from the first save i ever got and that was in detroit in 2017 didn't get another opportunity till mid June of nineteen, but um, I still don't think I've fully accepted, it and I don't want to. I don't want to fully accept it because I want to make sure that I earn it every time I pitch. And that's one thing that I've always stressed is like nothing is ever given, nothing is ever like a birthright, or nothing is ever. Oh yeah, you were good last year, so you've kind of you own it this year. It's like no, nah, you need to make sure that you go out there and own it every single time. If you don't work towards something at bettering yourself every time, it's just going to go worse, and you're going to be out of that role soon enough. You know, I've known you quite a while. I know one thing that wasn't you is being an opener. I didn't mind it, but I got fat because I'd, <laughs> I'd throw the first inning and then I'd go inside and eat the entire time. So that wasn't good. It worked out really well for my wife in, in 18 when I got called back up, though, because she was still in Florida. Time change meant that she turned the game on at 10, watched my inning, went to sleep. So yeah. <laughs> if I was still a reliever, she, that would have yeah, our relationship may have been a little strained at that point. But... Um, I didn't mind opening because at that point, that was what I needed mentally to be able to tell, hey, look, I'll go whatever inning you want me to, whether it's the first, whether it's the ninth, whether it's whatever inning. Just tell me when to pitch, and I'll go out there and pitch. And that's that was something that I needed. I needed to get out of my own head thinking that I was too good and I was too good to be in any one from the first through six. I needed to be there seven, eight, nine, and that's what I deserve, and that's this and like that. And once I got out of that, it was just throw me whenever. I don't care what inning I throw. I just want to play. Let me play. You know, looking at you guys and, you know, obviously rooting for you, been watching the White Sox from afar, you got a really good team. And obviously you're going to win the Central. But just talk about how good, how young and athletic and how good these White Sox are. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun team. Um, and I'm not saying that we're going to win the division until it's final because that's the same thing as kind of accepting the role in the ninth. It's um, – that was one of the issues that I 
saw last year with these guys when they made the playoffs is they made the playoffs and then hit cruise control and then all of a sudden lost it. You hurry up. I'm going in for you. Nah, uh, piss off, Tim. All right, Tom. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's me, so we'll, we'll be here, Arch. Do you have another headset that we can throw him on there so I can talk to him? Uh, <laughs> Tony Kemp, by the way, just came by and wants to uh, hurry this thing along. He, we, we were with him yesterday. Hey, I bought you a sword. You should be fine. <laughs> um, no, so, uh, yeah, it, uh, it, it's a fun team, though. But it's one of those things where they need to – same thing that we did last year was we need to work on making sure that we hit the last game of the season on full full ball, and uh, but other than that, like it's a fun team. We got we got a lot of characters out there. We got a lot of guys that are willing to uh, kind of play that role of kind of being the villain almost a little bit. Like you look at Ta, like he's not afraid to be outspoken. He's not afraid to uh, kind of be that guy. But he's also one of the closest people to me on this team because I'll be running in if I throw a couple bad pitches, he'll be the first guy there yelling at me, which is what I need. And that's the kind of relationship that a lot of these guys have. It's it's making sure that everybody's held accountable, but at the same time knowing that we don't care how everything goes. Like It's going to sort itself out. We're not going to put any added pressure on you, but we're going to be the first guy there to defend you if something goes wrong. Yeah, you guys got a lot of swagger. I think there is there, there is no question about that. And, uh, you know, in bringing Kimbrell over, what's that like been for you? Because now you have two legitimate options whether it's eighth, ninth, whatever it is, what's that been like? He's been awesome. Uh, he's been fantastic. Like, obviously, I, I was asking about him before we even got him. Like, it, during the All-Star game, I was asking Bar- Matt Barnes about him and, like, how he is as a person. Because I know Craig a little bit off the field, but I'd never experienced the way he goes about his daily routine on the field. And it's, it's something that we behold. It's, it's, it's something special what he's been able to do for the length of time. And luckily enough, I've known some guys that have played with him that have, all have glowing reports of the guy. And they've all been kind of uh, – They've all been certified when he came over to us, but he's been fantastic. It's we both have the same mentality. It's, it's we don't care when we pitch. We're our chance. We're here to win a win a championship, and that's all that matters. So if you think I'm going to be best in like the way he threw the seventh in Kansas City, the way I've gone out there earlier in the earlier in the games as well, it's it's one of those things where it doesn't matter how we go. We're trying to win, and if that's the best chance of us winning, then that's what we're going to do. Let's end on this. Did you ever think you'd be uh, thrown in a cornfield? I did not. I definitely didn't think I'd be the first ever person to get a blown save in Iowa in the big leagues. And and a win. And a win. So I've got that. <laughs> I almost threw the jersey in the trash after the game, and then I was like, nah, this is something probably It was cool, cool right? It's covered in Gatorade because I was the first person in line high-fiving Tim for taking that hook out of my mouth. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely something cool, and hopefully we get another chance to experience it because that was something – that was something really special, and hopefully if we get a chance to do it again, we can embrace it, and hopefully I don't suck again. Well, I, I got to tell you, the optics on TV when the when the balloon, the hot air balloon's rolling in, I mean, it looked like a great time. And, of course, you had the big interview on Fox. It looked like you guys were having a blast. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot of fun. The uniforms are great. I really enjoyed those. Uh, obviously, everything was great up until I pitched. Other than that, we, we won, so that's all that matters. But, um, yeah, it was, it was such a cool experience, and, and hopefully I get a chance to experience it again because it was, it was so, I love those things. I love the breaking the norms. I love those things, like the special events, like the opening series in Japan a couple of years ago. That was fantastic. I'm really working with MLB about hopefully trying to get another game back to Australia because that, uh, that would be something that would really, really open, open up for me, being able to get over there and, uh, and get some family and friends, being able to see me pitch in a big league game for the first time. Well, I know we're on the field, and got to kind of say this lightly but uh we really miss you <laughs> a lot uh, i've been keeping up i mean I, 
there's still a lot of talent in that bullpen. There's still a lot of talent in the rotation. I think it's uh, it. You go through ebbs and flows and stages, and I think these guys are. They'll come back stronger once they. That's just that that they that little kick, that little like, uh, baseball gods thing that to fall their way, and it'll be back to rolling. And then, uh, hopefully, we can. Um, regardless of what happens these next three days, we play Boston right after you guys. So hopefully, we can uh, we can help you guys out a little bit, and then take care of the Red Sox for you. Well, we not only miss you on the field, but we miss you here on A's Cast. I mean, you you were on this show more than any. I mean, you're the all time leader in the clubhouse. I was, I was about to ask you that. Am I still the leader in this thing? Yeah, I, don't know. I think you're so. Well, <laughs> remember, we weren't on the field last year. Oh, of course, yeah. So I, I mean, I have to. I mean, you've got some characters over here. You've got some guys that uh, I'm sure give some good interviews if uh, if you can finagle them down here with Sergio and guys like that. I think that I think they'd be a blast. Hey, always appreciated it. Appreciate it, guys. I mean, Thanks for having me you're again, the man. And, and thank you for everything over the last five years or the last two years that we've been and around you, together you know we're rooting for you i appreciate we'll it. always root for you i'm always i'm still i'm always rooting for the a's it's still they still hold a real soft spot in my heart the great liam Hendricks, right here on a's cast live another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Great to have Tony and great to have Liam on the program. And we'll finish with an A's legend, a three-time World Series champion, one of the great outfielders in A's history. Here is the legend, Joe Rudy. Joe, it is an honor to have you once again. Just how has life been for you? It's been great. We've been so blessed and uh, just been uh, traveling around. Our kids are spread out all over the United States, so we travel a lot in the RV and uh, just try to go see them as often as we can. So uh, survive the COVID thing. It's still, of course, uh, affecting a lot of people, but we've been blessed. We uh, stayed away from that. We uh, tried to be real careful last year. You know, when we talk about this Hall of Fame that we're, we're we're putting together here, obviously, I think about your career as a three-time World Series champion. I think about you as an all-star. I think you as a gold glove winner, uh, one truly one of the great outfielders of, of, of your era. What did it mean to you when the A's gave you the call saying, yes, we have this Hall of Fame now, and you're going in it? Uh, I was very, very surprised. Uh, what, what an honor. You know, we've had so many great players come through uh, Oakland over the years. And, uh, you know, we've had uh, a lot of great teams, a lot of great individuals. And uh, I'm just very, very honored, very, uh, very surprised uh, to go in that, that early. I was hoping at some point I might get there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that had some great careers. Well, I yeah, yes, but so did you. And when you think about your career and, and, and the guys that you played with, it truly is one of the great eras and one of the great times in baseball. When you look back and you think about the greatness of winning three World Series titles, I mean, obviously you would never envisioned it when you were in Kansas City, but in Oakland, what a special time. It really was. Uh, you know, it's one of the reasons I signed with the Kansas City A's. I had a great scout named Don Preeze who uh, started following me when I was a sophomore in high school down in Modesto, California, not far away. 
And uh, as I got on my senior year, you know, he started talking a lot about who was on the team at the time in Kansas City. And he said, hey, you know, you, you got a really good chance of getting the big leagues in a hurry. He said, you know, we got a terrible team. Finley's trying to sign a lot of people to, to, to this time, you know, and I signed in the middle of 64. Um, never really had a full year in 65, 66. Had to go in the Marine Corps Reserves. Fortunately, the guys today don't have to go. You know, I used to cost us 30, 40 games a year going to reserve meetings. But, uh, you know, I went from A ball in Modesto in 66. I was a starting left fielder in 1967 in Kansas City, which was, you know, a little bit over my head at the time. <laughs> I, think I, I think I just turned 19, 20, somewhere in there. I can't even, 20, I guess I would be. But to go to A ball there, end up going back to double uh, A in uh, Birmingham with Reggie and Fingers and Duncan and that whole group for La Russa. Uh, almost, you know, a good portion of the guys that we play together in Modesto. I think there were 14 guys off the team of Modesto that went there. And, that, you know, that's a big difference to it today is, you know, we played together for a long time. We all came signed you know, within a few years of each other. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, and they all came through A ball, double A up to the big leagues. You know, we uh, Finley sort of just threw us all out there. I think in 68, there, there was times when our average on the field age was 22 of all the players. Um, that we're starting. He just threw us out there and, you know, we learned how to play. We got our brains beat in in 68, 69, a little bit, 70, we were better. And then, you know, 71 things turn around. We won our division, but uh, the big blessing is we got to play together for so long and we really didn't have, especially with our pitching, any great, uh, you know, injuries where we lost guys for a whole season and stuff. And you look at the, um, the players, of course, a big thing to me that really changed us is when we got Kenny Holtzman come in. You know, he won 60 games in those three years he was with us. I mean, I hope he gets in the Hall of Fame down the line here because no he was uh, su such a huge difference for our pitching staff. When did when, when did you know when you looked around and you guys, as you said, have been together for years, when did you know, you know, we're legit, we're the best in baseball? When was that moment? Well, I think, you know, as we got into, you know, 70, we started, I think we finally had a winning season and uh, started playing a little better. 71, you know, we played uh, Baltimore back when they had four 20-game winners and they beat us three straight in the playoffs. But, you know, you started looking at the guys who were hitting so well. Reggie and Sal, you know, so solid. You know, Campy was great. Dick Green was probably one of the best second basemen I've ever, ever seen defensively play the game. And uh, and we had great pitching, you know, Raleigh and the starters we had. I mean, you start looking around at the other team and you go, hey, you know, all we need is a few more little cards here and there. And uh, we got a good shot at this thing. And, you know, anything can happen, you know, in baseball, any of the sports, really, with injuries and that kind of stuff. But we were very blessed that, that like you said, with especially our, our pitching and our bullpen was so solid that we didn't lose any of those big guys uh, during that run. Yeah, you know, and, and it's it's really crazy to think that Charlie Finley was orchestrating all of this from Chicago to Oakland. Like like th th this will never happen again in anybody's lifetime. <laughs> you have an owner who's acting also as the GM, and he's in the Midwest while his team's on the West Coast. Well, right, we'll never see that again. It was amazing. I, you got to give Charlie credit, you know, as much as he's berated by a lot of people and stuff. The man was brilliant. You look at the, the, the people that we picked up during the 71 through 75 into 76, 
whenever we need it. You know, I picked up a Don Mincher and, and Gonzalo Marquez and and uh, the Lou brothers and on and on that came in and filled those roles when we needed it. Uh, it was amazing. And you look at the uh, relief pitcher. You know, we had three or four relievers in the uh, in the bullpen that all had been number one relievers on different teams. Yeah, true. I mean, truly amazing. And do, can you tell us the story of what it was like when you got traded to the Red Sox? You went over, I believe you you went over to their clubhouse. It was in Oakland, and you guys took a picture. But of course, it was denied, obviously by the commissioner. Just take us through that. What that was like. It, it was really almost earth shattering to me, you know, because that was my 13th year with the organization. And uh, uh, we had had the day off on Monday and gone down to Sacramento to visit friends. So we were gone all day back, you know, this is before cell phones. And so nobody could get a hold of us. And so we didn't know until we got back on Tuesday morning, you know, for that game. We had uh, the Red Sox were actually in town on the 16th, 17th, 18th. And so we found out, you know, we got traded and uh, Vita got sold. And, uh, you know, so we go to the ballpark and literally, you know, packed all our gear up and walked across the hall to the visiting clubhouse. And they had to take my white shoes and paint them black. Oh. And fortunately, it was uh, it was sort of unique because uh, 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 Daryl Johnson was a manager who was a good friend of mine. I mean, I hunted ducks with him in the offseason. He lived. He lived there out in the East Bay near me, and uh, so I knew him and his wife real well. Uh, came over, and he said, hey, I'm not going to play you guys tonight. I'm just going to let the you know things settle down. you got a lot of press crap to talk. And fortunately, I swear, it was just strange feeling. I went out to run sprints just to loosen up, and it was like I, I'd lost all my coordination. I felt like a three-legged horse trying to, to, just to run wind sprints. I was so disoriented in this whole situation. And it was a true blessing that he didn't play us that night because, uh, you know, it was, uh, I, I mentally was not ready for that. Uh, you know, looking back in a way I, I would have, you know, been nice to stay with them with Boston at a time, you know, we were only like two and a half months from the end of the season and they just spent a million dollars for me and I'm a free agent. That would have been a pretty good bargaining chip with uh, Boston for salary. <laughs> No, and then Bowie Coon, the, uh, the old commissioner, he voids the trade. So then, what was that like? You got to take all your stuff and now go back to the A's clubhouse. It's it's crazy to think about. It really was. Uh, you know, my wife was excited to get, you know to go to Boston. We both loved Boston. I loved hitting there. I was probably had my best career batting averages and everything else in Boston. Of course, a lot of hitters will say that. But uh, we were excited to go. Uh, my wife had the whole house packed up there in Oakland, took trunks to the ballpark uh, on uh, Wednesday and Thursday, getting ready for to, to leave there. And uh, and then, you know, I think the big thing that happened there was Charlie sort of spotted off in the uh, newspapers that, you know, he had sold Raleigh myself for a million dollars to those guys. We're still unsigned. He tricked Biden in the signing and, and, and sold him to the Yankees for a million and a half. So the Yankees just said, hey, give him whatever he wants. And, uh, you know, the thing people don't realize is that, you know, we had turned in requests for salaries. And I think for most of the six or seven guys that were in that unit there, 
a lot of us got more to sign with other teams than the whole group would have cost Charlie if he had just signed us at the beginning of the year. And uh, so it, it was it was very uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. You know, at the beginning, Charlie, you know, he Coon uh, negated the sale. And so the three of us were sort of hanging out. We don't know what to do. And finally, Charlie allowed us to come in and keep working out while he was suing Coon. And uh, I think after I'm trying to think it about two weeks, I'm trying to remember how many days it was. It seemed like forever, but at least two weeks um, on a Sunday afternoon, we we're playing um, Minnesota, I believe. And Jim Todd was our player rep. And he went in and told uh, t- uh, t- Chuck Tanner, our manager, he said, Hey, if, Joe Rudy isn't in the lineup today. We're not taking the field. We're going to work. So call Finley and tell him, Hey, either put, you know, reinstates Raleigh and I on the team or, you know, we're going to forfeit the game. And so that sort of pushed Charlie where he had no choice, but to reinstate us. And so, you know, Tanner came in, posted the lineup and then my name was in the lineup. Everybody gave out a yell and we, you know, we went down like five minutes before the game to get ready to play uh, so it was a very bizarre time we really didn't know what was going to happen yeah that i mean it, it, it is so unbelievable and you're talking about you know yourself and raleigh fingers raleigh fingers is one of the greatest pitchers slash relievers in the history of the game and he's not pitching i mean it's just crazy to think that it happened well, you look back at that time, I mean, we, we lost the West to uh, Kansas City by a game and a half, two games, something like that. And, you know, we went, you know, two and a half weeks without playing the game. You know, you think if things would have just continued in a normal mode, we, I truly believe we would have won the division again in, in 76. So, like you said, to lose Raleigh, especially coming out of the bullpen, I mean, that's you, you can't replace him. If you guys would have stayed together, like if you would have kept the core together, how many World Series do you think you do win? Again, you know the injuries and everything. You never know, but I truly believe we could have kept going because you know if we hadn't lost Catfish, that was that was the real dagger. Is when we lost Catfish was the heart and soul of that pitching staff, and, and you know he was such a super guy. Everybody loved him, and uh, he, you know you just look back at the number of innings he pitched and and you know, the great career, I mean, the great season he had in 74 was just unbelievable. The number of innings he pitched, and I think he won 25 games that year. And so, you know, you back, let's see, 70, 76, I think most of us were 28, 29 years old. We, you know, we hadn't even hit our 30s yet. And that was, so the whole main pitching staff and all the main players and everything else weren't 30. So I truly believe if we would have kept that team together, we would have, we would have uh, made some noise. Well, I'll tell you what, you had an unbelievable career, and it's going to be an honor to be there when you get in to the Oakland A's Hall of Fame because it's well-deserved, and I'm sure your family is going to be very, very proud. They they definitely will. You know, we got – I'm sure there's still a, a few fans that are going there. You know, we didn't have a whole lot of fans, but we had some loyal fans that uh, when I went back and coaching a little bit and gone down for different functions – you just see the same people there that have been going there for 50 years. And it's always fun to, uh, to come to the Coliseum with so many great memories and uh, so many great people that we met along the way. So we're really looking forward to it. Yeah. Joe, I still got people who call my post game show and, and they'll be like, I was there as a kid. 
there are still there's still a lot of people who remember the greatness that was your Oakland A's team and those three straight championships. It's it's amazing. I, I, I get more fan mail asking for autographs and stuff now than I think I did when I played. It's uh, it, it, it's still going strong. People still, you know, remember when they're kids and you know, on and on. So it's uh, you know, hard to believe I'm turning 75 here in a few days. So it, the time is going by. But uh, you know, we were so blessed to be in that group of guys. And uh, you know, fortunately, when we get together, it's like we never never separated. So. You know, you still still hitting on everybody, and the, the jabs never quit. Well, God bless you guys. You're truly one of the great teams in the history of our remarkable game. Thank you so much for coming on the program again. Congratulations going into the Hall of Fame, and we can't wait to have you back here on A's Cast Live. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I enjoy the games. I still like get on MLB TV and uh, watch the games, listen to you guys every night. So it's uh, a pleasure to listen. You guys do a great job. And uh, our prayers, of course, with Ray. And I uh, haven't heard too much anymore about him, but we keep our prayers going for him and uh, keep up a great job. And it's fun watching those young players they got today. We'd like to thank the Hall of Famer, Tony LaRussa, the All-Stars, Liam Hendricks, and Joe Rudy for stopping by A's Cast Live. That's it for A's Unfiltered. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 